Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Lindsay Tosin, and we'll be talking about her work as well as her new book, The Beautiful Unbecoming, The Ultimate Guide to Life After Spiritual Awakening. Have you ever been through a major spiritual awakening and you you no longer see the world the same? The things you did, the people you surrounded yourself with, and even your job may no longer make sense to you or feel right for you. You have new beliefs and feelings about the world around you, and you have a hard time fitting into the old world. You know you can't go back to how you are living. You don't want to fall back into old habits, but you aren't sure how to integrate your new beliefs into the world around you. Lindsay Tosin is a certified transformational leadership coach, energy healer, intuitive medium, and a lifelong spirituality student who helps you adjust to life after a spiritual awakening. For more information, you can visit Lindsay's website, which is L-Y-N-D-S-A-Y-T-O-E-S-I-N-G. That's it. Let me do that one more time. Lindsay is L-Y-N-D-S-A-Y, and Tosin is T-O-E-N-S-I-N-G.com. Of course, if you just Google the beautiful unbecoming, you'll also get right there. So welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Robert. Thanks so much for having me. It is my pleasure, and and um, this is. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you know we um, so much attention is given to um, achieving or experiencing that you know spiritual awakenings. Um, that um, once that happens, it's like okay, now what? <laughs> so I'm, you, oh. I'm hoping we can get some answers <laughs> to that. So let's start with, first of all, um, spiritual awakening. Um, can you, uh, for the um, listeners, explain what your view of what spiritual awakening is? Great place to start. Everybody does have a little bit different definition of spiritual awakening. So the way I define it is that spiritual awakening is the process of waking up from your lifelong conditioning and programming that made you who you are to this point. So it's the beginning of the deconstruction of who you have been programmed to be to uncover who you truly are and how you are meant to operate in this world. It's really the path to your authentic self. It's also the power and freedom, it's connection to the divine, to an intentional, well-lived life, and for those seeking it, to an enlightenment. Okay, so, and, and that's, that's, um, that's a real, you know, real clear uh, definition. And I'm sure for each, like you say, for each, pers- each person's definition is different, as well as each, I'm sure each person's ex- 
experience is different, you know, as to what. 100%. Um, and <laughs> so um, how would one differentiate between an awakening, you know, a spiritual awakening versus some other um, conflict like, you know, like a midlife crisis or, or just, yeah. you know, something that is, that is, yeah. What what makes spiritual awakening unique from other other types of um, experiences that are similar? Such a good question, and it's so funny, Robert, because when I started going through my own spiritual awakening at the very beginning stages, and I have a background in this, but I was even like, this is not a spirit. I was I was documenting this whole process. I was like, this is not a spiritual awakening. This is not a midlife crisis. This is not all the things. <laughs> and about three months later, right. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a full-blown spiritual awakening. So I love the question. And you're right. It can be, it can feel a number of ways, whether it does feel like a midlife crisis, a quarter-life crisis, um, you know, you're just not happy with your job, you're not happy with your relationship. So I've outlined in The Beautiful Unbecoming some symptoms of how you can identify if it's a spiritual awakening. And they can be one and the same, all of these things. So some of the symptoms that, again, I outline in The Beautiful Unbecoming are, one, life is feeling fake and empty. So if you're going through a midlife crisis, sometimes it isn't about life is feeling empty. In fact, sometimes, you know, you have the quintessential images of the people buying sports cars or the lavish things <laughs> in their life. But this, it's a right. little different. So life is feeling fake and empty. You're starting to question your beliefs and your behaviors. You're feeling confused, lost, and alone. And that's key because oftentimes people, I shouldn't even say oftentimes, most of the time people aren't talking about this. So that's why you feel confused and alone because you don't have someone else to look to for how this should happen or operate. And we've been trained from a very young age to look to other people, places, or things as kind of a roadmap. And so that's where the confusion, the lost, and alone come from. And then another symptom of spiritual awakening is that you want more meaning and purpose in life. You crave more solitude. You want to live more simply and get rid of stuff. And this was a big one for me. I think three months into my spiritual awakening, I was like, I need to get rid of everything that isn't bringing me any value. And this is, I'm not a big um, TV person or, you know, the, the um, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to forget her name now. But, you know, the woman who was out there and saying, get rid of stuff, see if it brings you value. I oh, didn't yeah, that yeah. just naturally <laughs> without mm-hmm. that. And so that's, as I've worked with people, that's a big thing. Like, I just don't want all this stuff anymore. Um, another symptom of spiritual awakening is that you start to see through the illusions of society. You kind of start seeing how things are created systematically to get us to do certain things, whether that's buying stuff, whether that's going through the system of school, higher education, job, capitalism, et cetera. And none of these things individually are evil in any way, shape, or form, but it's how we use them. Another symptom um, is you connect with your feelings and the feelings of others on a much deeper level. You have more compassion for all beings and situations. You start to notice synchronicities and recognize patterns all around you. 
and you feel connected to everyone and everything in a way that you haven't before. And so those 11 symptoms are either the ones that I have gone through myself and or that I found most common with other people that I've worked with. Yeah, yeah, those are those are great. I mean, I can imagine that most people would be able to identify at least two or three of those, you know, that um, just over this past year, you know, because of all of the, the reflection I think that people have gone through. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the, the one when you talked about um, confused, lost, and alone, and the idea of, you know, not really having, not necessarily having people um, to look toward as far as uh, gaining an understanding, um, would would also um, the fact that um, one one's spiritual awakening may happen um, without a lot of folks around you without it happening with the folks around you. So, I mean, in addition to yeah. not um, having those mentors or, or role models or, you know, kind of this insight providers, um, but also the people you're surrounded with aren't. So I think that too would contribute to that uh, loneliness as well, wouldn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. We're all kind of indoctrined into the system. You know, we, I'll say the majority of us, not all of us, but especially, and I'll keep it to the U.S. for, for this point, because I know each country is a little bit different, but there's a lot of commonalities of you're born, you are taught to listen to your parents or your caretakers, you're then taught to listen to your teachers, you go through an educational system, which then teaches you what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, within your societal systems, your familial systems, you're taught who you can hang out with, who you shouldn't date, mm-hmm. or who you can marry, or who you can't. And so then you surround yourself also by usually people who have gone through the same indoctrination. And so as you start to wake up, you are surrounded with people who may or may not be waking up as well. And so even for myself, as I started reaching out to people who I was very close with, to say, you know, here's kind of what I'm feeling, here's kind of what's going on with me, they, in, you know, very well-meaning, said things like, oh, maybe you need a new job, maybe you need to go on vacation, maybe you need, like, right? It's all the external things instead of going, oh, yeah, maybe there is some changing within you. So 100% agreed. It's, It's not often that we are surrounded with or we have people in our lives that have gone through this before us. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, now you mentioned awake and, and in a, a few minutes, I kind of want to go through the six, you've identified six stages of spiritual awakening. Um, I want, but before yeah. we get there, um, I want to, you know, the, there is the, the new buzzword being woke. You know, and now yeah. when when I read up about it, it, it was the idea of it has its roots in African American, um, you know, uh, African American kind of in their realm. You know, the idea of of, recog- of someone being aware of racial and social injustice. So um, mm. now we have, you know, the idea. I believe of woke is 
to be more aware. And it sounds like that maybe the idea of what's covered that idea of social and, and um, uh, racial, you know, um, injustice, that that would be like a subset of awakening, you know. So yeah. lately, lately there is like an anti-woke <laughs> Kind of like go to sleep, yes. go back to sleep, kind of movement. So, <laughs> so, um, so actually, if you can talk a little bit about the idea, first of all, about you know how that that um, the idea of what some people call woke or being really just aware of community and surrounding, what that, yeah. how that fits into to spiritual um, awakening, and then the idea of resistance. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yes, so good. So when I hear the term woke, I I have heard this for many years, but of course with 2020 really being a catalyst for a collective awakening, you had many people mm-hmm. who went to the extreme and instead of, you know, when I talk about the symptoms of, waking up and seeing through some of uh, the illusions of society, waking up to the social injustice, that's one of the illusions, that there wasn't injustice. There's a lot of injustice built into our systems. Whether or not we want to fully understand that, whether or not we fully want to Mm -hmm. step in and help, you know, but it's there. And so you had people who, both in the spiritual community as well as, the, the non-spiritual community start using the term right. woke in a very different way. And woke became, instead of having this altruistic compassion for each other, for saying, yep, something's wrong, let's, let's fix this, it almost became mm-hmm. a term of further division. I'm woke, you're not. And the judgment started even more from, from that. So then it just it, it, it was completely misused and misguided because people who truly have, mm-hmm. you know, they've, I call it integration where you've reached full enlightenment, which would be woke. They're not shouting it from the rooftop. <laughs> they're just not, right. you know, and right. it, they instead are embedding themselves in the communities to, to help the communities both at home as well as in their immediate community. Some are doing global community work it's just it's very different than what people going around using the term. When the second that judgment comes in, spirituality is out the door. And I'll give the quick Oxford Dictionary definition of spirituality, which is the quality, spirituality is the quality of being concerned with a human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. And so when somebody says, I'm woke and you're not, that's not being concerned with the human spirit or soul. That's being concerned with status, right? And so there's yeah. a lot of that going on um, around. And so then you also have resistance. There's so much resistance in spiritual awakening and change. And I'll even break it down into change because any time things change, even if it's for the greatest good for the planet, change is hard for people. You're programmed, neuroscience tells us this, you're programmed to operate in a particular way, which is why it's so hard to change habits. Now when you try to make that change into our 
integrated systems for how we operate locally, globally, it's really hard for people. And so there's resistance to that because if that thing over there is changing, if that system is changing, that means I have to change. If that person over there is waking up and they're changing, they're saying it's no longer okay to say all lives matter, then I have to look at myself and go, oh, I've said that before. Maybe that's not okay. Maybe I'm not okay. In, in all of this, I offer it's not about judgment and saying someone is bad. And yes, I am a white woman and I understand my white privilege and so I try to use my platform from an education and community standpoint and I mess up, 100% I mess up, but I continue to learn, I continue to grow and I can continue to evolve in hopes of always bettering myself each and every day. And so this resistance, this is a key thing that I work with uh, in my coaching I talk about, I think I have a whole chapter about being in the beautiful unbecoming because it's that important. We have resistance within ourselves, within our families, within our communities, and you see it when you're going through a spiritual awakening, but when the country and the globe is going through a change and awakening. Hopefully yeah, that answers um, some of the questions that, that you mentioned. It, it does. It does. Yeah, very much so. And um, so now... Um, with with the the idea of so when it comes to woke now now I'm going to be looking at that in such a very different light you know because of the you know when you um, correctly identify that it's becoming a um, a divisive um, idea versus a you know a cohesive idea which is what it should, yeah. have, should have been um, so now. Um, Let's see. One of the things that you talk about in, in your book, um, when, it, when it comes to spiritual awakening, many times people will go through, um, you know, it's called the dark night of the soul. A lot of people know it as that. And, and you yeah. prefer not to use that phrase, but you use uh, the phrase crumbling, I believe. Is it crumbling? So yep. um, tell Tell us um, a, a bit about, because right now I'm sure, you know, there are people who are going through that um, that point where ego gets a, a real good lesson. So can you talk a little bit about yes. that <laughs> process? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And so... I, you are absolutely right. I don't use the term dark night of the soul. A lot of people recognize that. Um, and other people talk about death of the ego, uh, spiritual awakening initiation. I call it the crumbling because I do look at it as a deconstruction of our ego system. And when I say ego, I'm not talking about like, oh, I'm amazing type of ego. I'm talking about that part of us that was created to keep us safe. So back many, 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 many moons ago, it is the part of us that kept us safe from the saber-toothed tiger. And that part of the brain that does that keeps us into habits that keep us alive. So yesterday I stayed alive. Today I better do the same thing so that I stay alive today. And as well-meaning as this part of us is, 
it can be very detrimental to our progress and our evolution as humans because when we get into these patterns, that's why it's hard to break habits, when we get into these patterns, um, you know, I won't go too much into neuroscience, but I'm a huge nerd when it comes to all of this stuff. Um, That's great. It creates deeper neural pathways. And so it's almost like a well-worn path in the brain. The more that we Mm -hmm. walk the same path, the more that we do the same things, we're we're making that path more worn, more deeper. And so when we try to walk a new path, it, that path, we may not see those footsteps through the grass, but we definitely see the well-worn path on the same trail that we've always mm-hmm. taken. So our brain goes, okay, great, mm-hmm. let's take that well-worn path. And so when we talk about the crumbling and the deconstruction of the ego, it's challenging all the things that we have worn in our brains, if that makes sense. And so Dark night of the soul, you often hear people going through a deep depression. You often hear them, um, you know, because their jobs no longer make sense to them, their relationships may no longer make sense to them, all these things. And so I call it the crumbling because we have to deconstruct all of that to be able to get to our core and find out what is true for us. What do we believe? What do we want in this life? What is it that we want to be contributing to the world? What are the type of relationships that we want in our lives? And so I talk about um, the six stages of spiritual awakening in the beautiful unbecoming. Is, is now an appropriate time to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. That would be. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. So the first stage is asleep. And those in this first stage, they're really wrapped up in that survival of having their day-to-day needs met. So this is where they're very much operating from that ego sense where we're just continuing to travel the same well-worn path. Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. people who are at that stage, they're surrounded by that drama. They feel that life is happening to them. They often blame others. Um, They're often playing the victim. And so they see things as more black and white, right or wrong, and they follow the rules of society so that they can fit in, kind of without questioning them. Then you have mm-hmm. stage two, which is striving. People at that second stage, they realize that they have some control over their lives. So they start taking some responsibility for their actions, but they may still get caught up in some of that blame game and conditioned behaviors. Many people at this stage, they're striving for more. They're trying to prove their worth. They're trying to follow the societally approved path, and they're concerned about status. Stage three is questioning. And people in this stage are starting to question who they are, what their purpose is, what their meaning of life is. They may be starting to question their beliefs around life and death. They may start questioning their beliefs around marriage, career, you know, this indoctrinated society that we live in. And this is where spiritual awakening is often initiated, or this is where I talk about the crumbling starts to take place. And it's when people are starting to see through the illusions of our conditioning, programming, and societal influences, and they want to take full responsibility for themselves. 
And so I think this is what you really started to see in 2020 between COVID, the civil mm-hmm. unrest. Mm-hmm. You started to see a lot of people at this stage. Stage four is seeking. And this stage is where people begin to search for the truth. That's why i truth, purpose, and meaning in my life. And so people at this stage, they're entangling their belief systems and behaviors so that they can connect with what's authentic for them. They're seen through the illusions of control. There is no such thing as control as much as we want to believe we can control things. <laughs> the only thing we can control is our own actions and reactions. Um, they're starting to see through societal um, groupthink, like mass consciousness. And people at this stage often find it hard to integrate the new beliefs with the world around them. And so that, again, can feel really isolating because they're seeing people participate in these same uh, societally approved rituals, and they're no longer feeling connected to those. So, for example, um, one of the things that happened to me when I went through my spiritual awakening is I quit drinking because I wanted to connect with my emotions and my body again. And one of the societally approved rituals at my work was happy hour almost every day. And I was no longer participating in that. And the alienation, not only because others then felt the need to tell me why they were going to happy hour or how much they drink when I didn't ask the question, but it was also like, wait, why aren't you doing this? And so it was hard for them to understand and speak them on that level again. Then you have uh, stage five, awake. And so people at this stage are expressing their true selves and have taken full responsibility for their lives, their thoughts, and their actions on a regular basis. They don't need to prove their worth to anyone anymore. They know that they and those around them are just inherently worthy because they exist. And so situations are no longer good or bad or right or wrong. They find peace in accepting what is and a peace in living in the gray. And so the ability and the willingness to trust and surrender to the divine is also strengthening in this awake stage. There's an inherent trust that the universe has your back. And then the last stage, stage six, is integration. And this is where full enlightenment is reached. So we talked about this a little bit. People at this stage usually are not shouting it from the rooftops, but they're usually (laughs) in a constant state of flow with life while still participating in the world. We do live in this world and finding a way to be able to function and operate in it effectively is important. And so people at this stage, they easily allow and accept life to happen for them without binary beliefs or reactions, again, good, bad, black, and white. They fully trust the divine, the universe, and their path. Um, And it's also important to know that within these six stages, it's not like a video game. When you pass stage one and then you move to stage two, when you pass stage two and then you're into stage three, you can flow between many of these stages even in a given day. And so it's really important to pay attention to how you're acting and reacting to triggers, to others, to our environment, to, to understand where you are progressing and where you may still want to do some more work, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. It does, yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, well, I'm going to take a, a quick break and then come back and talk a little bit more about about the stages. And um, so, everyone, I just want to let you know, if you'd like to call in and ask Lindsay any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those of you listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to type them in there and, and we'll get to them. So everybody stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site, is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our home page. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us. Again, today, my special guest is Lindsay Tosin, Tosin, and we have been talking about her new book, The Beautiful Unbecoming, The Ultimate Guide to Life After Spiritual Awakening. And again, you can find out more by visiting Lindsay's website, which is lindsaytosin.com, and that's L-Y-N-D-S-A-Y-T-O-E-N-S-I-N-G.com. Okay, with that, we're back. Lindsay? Hi. Hey, great. Okay, so I, I want to just talk a little bit about the, those six stages. You know, um, before the break, you mentioned that, you know, we can we can find ourselves experiencing um, many of those stages throughout a day. And mm-hmm. um, so uh, now... My, my guess is is that if we were to um, try and identify for ourselves where we are in these stages, that it would be one that where we spend most of our time <laughs> in. So that I mean, like yeah. if you know, <laughs> so um, what um, for someone who is let's say at the awake or or even at the seeking stage, you know, when they're kind of seeking truth. Um, how does one who tends to operate from that stage um, interact with someone who's asleep and happy they're asleep? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, yeah, so, um, yeah, <laughs> is, is this one of those cases where we limit, those, you know, limit our time to those like that? Or, oh, or my gosh, this, uh, yeah. Such a good question. Such a good question. 
it's especially for those in the questioning and the seeking stage, it can be super hard when you see someone who is asleep, someone who is playing the victim, who keeps, mm-hmm. you know, making comments like this person did that to me or my boss did this to me or the person, you know, down the block reported me for not mowing my lawn or and so when people who are in that asleep stage happily not wanting to change, right? People mm-hmm. in the question mm-hmm. and seeking stage can very much be like, what if you thought about it this way? <laughs> what if you thought about it that way? Or, you know, because as we're gaining more knowledge, most of us want to share that knowledge. It's human nature. We want right. to grow. We want to yeah. share. We're excited about it. But those who are in the sleep stage and even the striving stage are going to be very resistant to that. And so they may feel like, you know, you're trying to make me change. You're trying to push your new beliefs on me, things like that. So it's really important to set clear boundaries, both for yourself and for those who are around you. Because if those types of people are making you feel not so awesome, if it feels Mm -hmm. toxic, if it feels unhealthy, it's important that you are setting those boundaries. As much as we want to support those we love because we love them, there are times in our lives where we have to set those boundaries where we're not spending as much time with people who feel unhealthy or toxic for us. We may need to remove them from our lives depending on the situation. And and you have to feel out what's right for you. But if you are with someone and after spending, you know, however much time you normally spend with them, if you're feeling drained, tired, exhausted, unhappy, that's a great cue that maybe you should limit your exposure to them. And I'll say that's also true for social media, for news, for anything you consume. Back in November of 2019, I wrote a blog post on LinkedIn that is that was um, – I think it was titled, You Are What You Consume. And it's not just about what you eat, but it is about what you are consuming Mm -hmm. visually, auditorily, all the things. So if you continue to watch things that are negative, that make you feel bad afterwards, like, you know, when COVID was going on and everybody was glued to their screens and everything was about catastrophizing how millions and millions and millions mm-hmm. of people are going to die, that's not healthy for us. And after a while, that is just traumatizing and re-traumatizing us as a society. And so it's important that you be aware of, whether it's during, after, or preferably before, the further along in the stages you go, where you can separate yourself enough to be objective versus being consumed by it is going to be super helpful to your continued progression and happiness and continued evolution. Yeah, yeah, that, that's real. Conception is important. And I, I've noticed um, times when I would, you know, get sidetracked and go down rabbit holes as far as, you know, stuff that it just Same. There's, abs- there's, there's no reason. Uh, now I kind of think, what, how did I get here? <laughs> Forget this, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but it's, <laughs> but, but that's an easy thing to Same. do because, you know, you know, so um, now um, when, when it comes time to um, uh, the, the title, excuse me, the title of your, your book is, is The Beautiful Unbecoming. 
Um, tell us what you mean by that. Yeah. The beautiful unbecoming, I should start with the quote. So as I was going through my spiritual awakening, I was reading a lot of spiritual books. I was reading um, a lot of books about mindfulness, about spiritual awakening, about shamanism, about all the things. I took a lot of workshops, and I came across one quote that really resonated with me, and it's by um, Paulo Coelho, who is a writer, and I don't know if he considers himself a spiritual teacher, but he really is because his books are so incredible. You may know him from The Alchemist. He wrote The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. He, he said, maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that really isn't you so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. And that said everything about spiritual awakening for me. And, mm-hmm. and so that's where the beautiful unbecoming came is because as hard and as challenging, as difficult, as isolating, as lonely, as painful as this process can be sometimes, it is such a beautiful place to get to when you no longer feel like you have to be who somebody else wanted you to be, when you no longer Mm -hmm. feel like you have to follow the path that somebody else wanted you to follow. It's beautiful when you can just be in your full truth and authenticity and love who you are. Okay. Well, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really catchy, you know, title. I mean, it makes it makes you think, you know, because we are so programmed as a society to become, you know, totally, to become, yes. you know, everything. Yes. And uh, you know, the idea of stripping away that, you know, to get down to the core of, of or the essence of who we are is is, is attractive. Um, yeah. So now, what, what what would you say are um, some of the hurdles maybe that people would encounter um, that will kind of prevent, you know, their awakening or their um, their path toward awakening? Yeah. I'll sum it up again into resistance, and I'll break it down from there. Okay. okay. Because resistance is probably one of the biggest hurdles, because inside you're going through all of this change and it doesn't necessarily make sense to you and you're feeling alone, you're feeling isolated, you can go through bouts of depression, you can go through bouts of anxiety. And I'm, I'm, I am not a psychotherapist. I am not one to diagnose. I'm just speaking from my experience or the experience of those who I've been with. And, of course, if you are going through those things, it's important that you get help from a trained medical professional on those things. Mm-hmm. But going through those and having that resistance of going, oh, I, just, I don't want to feel this way one more day, it would be so much easier if I could just conform, right? There's resistance within us to stop moving forward. But the second you try to conform, you're crawling out of your skin, And so you have this kind of stuck in between because it's so hard. And so you feel this resistance from within. What what is my life going to look like? I 
I don't know anybody else who's gone through this. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's going to be so much easier mm-hmm. if I could just go back to the way things were. But, but you realize very quickly that you can't. And then there's the resistance from those around you. And so, um, you know, I talked a little bit about when I share this with my closest friends, my closest family, even my partner, it was, well, maybe you just need a vacation. Maybe you need a new job. And honestly, I loved my boss at the time. I loved my team. I loved mm-hmm. the people who reported to me. That wasn't the issue. But I no longer wanted to be what I felt was contributing to the propensity of consumerism. And I didn't want to keep doing that. I wanted to do something that helped raise the vibration of the, of the planet. I wanted to help people mm-hmm. find what, what was really exciting for them. And so I had a lot of resistance because I had, you know, nearly 40 years at that point of programming and conditioning to be a certain way. And so people around me didn't want me to change. Well, you have this life, Lindsay, that is essentially living the American dream. You make great money. You say you love your boss and your team. You have a great house. You have all the things. Why aren't you happy? And so then there's a level of guilt that comes in. Oh, my God, you're right. Why am I not happy (laughs) with all of this stuff? But then again, as you continue to move on your path, you go, because it's all stuff. For me, it's not what I value. And so it's important to find the things that you value. And when you create a value list, and I talk about this in The Beautiful Unbecoming, when you get to your top five values, you can use that as your north star for what is or isn't working for you, what you will or won't do. So as you're taking a look at another job or starting a new career or starting a business, does it connect with my five values? As you look at either your current relationship or new relationships, Does it fit within my top five values? And so it becomes a framework that no one else can tell you if it's right or wrong but you. And that is so powerful Mm -hmm. when you can connect with your own wisdom and own authority and you're no longer looking for permission from someone else. And then, again, with resistance, as you are changing those around you, whether you mean to or not, people around you are going to be triggered because they're going to feel Mm -hmm. forced Mm -hmm. to look at themselves. Just like I mentioned, you know, when I quit drinking and everybody was like, oh, well, I'm I'm only having two drinks. I'm like, cool, I do you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying nobody else should drink. I'm just saying this is what I'm doing for myself. In fact, (laughs) my partner is in the beer, wine, and spirits industry. I have no problem with it. So it's interesting how people around you get triggered by your own changes. And so working through that. And then because of that, it's so important to start to reach out and find people who you can connect with. And so, again, I talk about this in The Beautiful Unbecoming, the importance of finding your community, finding your soul family. And so as I took workshops for things that I found interesting, things that my soul called me to do, so studying shamanism, studying uh, sound healing, continuing my Reiki training. I started meeting like-minded people who have either been on the path or are on the same path as myself. And that really helped me to have people who I could call up and be like, hey, this is what I'm feeling, thinking, seeing. 
does this make any sense or am I going crazy? Because there are times <laughs> you definitely feel right. like it's going crazy. And so having those people are so important. And for me, I've never been uh, the type of person who has like 30 friends. I have few close, deep relationships. And, and that's what works for me. And I have found those beautiful, beautiful soul-aligned relationships on this journey by going to the different workshops and whether that's in person prior to 2020 or online that I've been doing, you know, over the last year and a half almost now, um, you can find those people. And that's been really helpful to help go through that resistance, to go through my own resistance, the resistance of others around me, and just to have people as a sounding board. Yeah, yeah, that that idea of having a soul family, um, you know, it's I, I when I hear when I look at family or the, the concept of family, um, to me it, it it's a it seems to me to be an idea that was set up kind of like prearranged that those within this family, you know, connection would are. Um, well-equipped to provide unconditional love. To me, it was like a, right. a, a not, it was a situation for unconditional love to pop out. I mean, when you think about, you know, often, quite often, parents and children and grandparents, I mean, that lineage, there is that unconditional love, no matter what the, the child or parent may do. Um, and, and sometimes it works great, you know, but, but, Sometimes it just, it just you know, it's like, well, we tried, but this this didn't work. You know, there, there's totally conditions, you know, placed on love. But but the idea of a soul family, you know, one that is not um, a lineage kind of of family, it, it, I think is important. It, it, it kind of um, expands the idea of what family should be and the idea of it being unconditional love, a source of unconditional love. Yes, I love that so much. Because even if you think back, you know, however long ago, people got married and families were created based on what would help them financially, politically, right? It would bring them land, it would bring them power, it would bring them those things. And then somewhere along the line, that turned to, okay, we should, cre- we should start creating those alliances for love. And then that didn't quite work out. <laughs> and so now we continue to evolve, I think, for this concept of we can create, we can choose our family. It doesn't have to be the family that we were born into, that we are blood related to. We can choose the family that provides us the love and support that we want And additionally Mm -hmm. with that, you know, through spiritual awakening and what I help my clients on is how do we resource those things that we've looked outside of ourselves for for so long from within? Self-love, self-acceptance. And and we look for that from everybody else outside of us, right? And so that's why we Mm -hmm. follow these societally approved paths because we want that love and acceptance from everybody else. So if we're thin enough, attractive enough, rich enough, all the enough, then we think that we will get that. But when we, some of us reach those things and still feel empty, you know, oh, wait, maybe, maybe what we've been sold <laughs> our whole lives 
isn't really the right thing. Yeah, exactly. So um, now the idea of, you know, getting to that particular point where we reach state six, the integration aspect, um, you know, the, I'm sure there are very few human-bound um, yeah. individuals that kind of yeah. have a high degree of in- integration. Um, what it seems like then because of that, that really the idea of um, spiritual awakening, there, like there is no end point. To me, it seems like there is no end point. It's just the process period, you know, that, that it's, Absolutely. That, so one doesn't necessarily achieve spiritual enlightenment, though they may have spiritually enlightening experiences. That Would that be a good way of putting it? Beautifully that? said. Yes, beautifully said. It is a lifelong journey. And the journey is often filled with a lot of healing, a lot of learning, and it's a spiral. And, and this is not an original concept. Many, many, many people, healers, uh, spiritual teachers, different religions, different spiritual practices all talk about this spiral of healing and the path to enlightenment not being a straight line but very curvy with all sorts of twists and turns in it. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that it's not about I'm at stage one and I want to get to stage six, but it's about allowing yourself to be comfortable where you are as things come up, instead of judging yourself as, oh, I'm terrible, see, I shouldn't have said that, oh, I shouldn't have done that, so judging yourself as not good enough or smart enough or whatever, instead going, oh, that's interesting. I feel like there's something there that I should dig into a little bit and then get curious about it. You know, learn, is there something else that I I have to learn from this experience or is there still some underlying pain or trauma that I need to look at to heal. And, and especially, I think when I was first on the, the path, I was getting so frustrated because I was coming back around to some of my parental wounds over and over and over again. And I was like, <laughs> if I look at this relationship with my mother one more time, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> from a different point of view and with each layer that comes off you can see the same situation so much differently and that can help you on a much richer deeper level so yes I love that you said that because it is a lifelong journey and it's about having these beautiful moments of enlightenment um, that keep you just at peace yeah, believing in the magic and yeah, just doing the work. And I, I, I hesitate to even use the term the work anymore because I, I know Byron Katie is one of my influences and she really does talk about the work. That's her, her trademark thing. Mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it is a process. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I can understand the idea. Of, of work, you know, um, but it, it really gets back to, I just, I think it's just experiencing, you know, I mean, you experience all of the experiences that you um, have, 
you you try to make the best of. You really want to have that, you know, you and on uh, I think it's the end of um, Willie Geist's show. No, is um, someone at MSNBC, but they they do the you know lives well lived. You know, you you kind of want to be able to have, you know what is said about your life or what you experienced is one that is well lived. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So, and that's 100%. You know, I, I talk about this in my book to the beautiful and becoming one of the things that really resonated mm-hmm. with me. And one of the things that initiated my spiritual awakening was my maternal grandmother's unexpected passing. And before she passed, mm-hmm. You know, several months before, I'd probably say three or four months before. Oh, no, it was two months before because it was her birthday when I talked to her. And she had said, um, I feel like I wasted my life. And hmm. that really hit home with me. And when she left, it's, I just kept hearing it. And I still hear it today. And so it's wow. about, to your point, living a life well lived so that, we're not going to the other side. We're not transitioning with regrets or going, I, I wasted this opportunity. Yeah. And I think we get yeah. so wrapped up in what we're supposed to do, like she did. You know, she thought she was doing the best she could with what she had, but I think at the end she realized she could have done it differently. It, 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 it's interesting. I, I you know, encountered people who have, you know, just before they have passed, who've kind of really been in both areas where they were regretful um, and was fear-based and there was just, you know, my, my thought on that one was like, oh, God, I hate to be on the other side and have that one come in in that state, <laughs> you know. Um, I know, of, uh, yeah. You know, and, and, um, but, and the other one that doing now, it, it may have, you know, been might have been a headache, but it never was a bore, you know, kind of thing. Then, as so, far as life, um, so well, we're gosh, we're down to the end of the show. So, what would you? Um, is there anything that you may want to say, any kind of message to the listeners? Maybe any final words about uh, the beautiful unbecoming um, that you'd like to share? Oh, thank you. I think the biggest message that I would just like to tell people right now, and whether, you know, people read The Beautiful Unbecoming or they are looking for their soul family or they want support from someone like myself who's a transformational leadership coach who helps people through that, know that you have everything you need within you. It's just about connecting with your body, your emotions, and your energy and quieting enough to be able to hear the answers and the direction that you need. You have everything you need within you. Well, that's, that's it. I mean, we are empowered. <laughs> so, yeah. well, I really, want, I really want to thank you for your, for your time today. It, it's really been a, a treat, Lindsay. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, Robert. I've loved this. This is so good. I love the work that you are doing in the world. I love the show, and I'm just so grateful to be here. Thank you very much. Again, everyone, today my special guest was Lindsay Tosin, and we have been talking about her new book, The Beautiful Unbecoming, The Ultimate Guide to Life Spiritual Awakening. 
Um, it's available at Amazon. You can go ahead and check it out. But you can also check out Lindsay's website, which is lindsaytosing.com, and that's L-Y-N-D-A. Oh, Lindsay, excuse me. What? Lindsay, L-Y-N-D-S-A-Y-T-O-E-S-I-N-G.com. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, lindsaytosing.com, L-Y-N-D-S-A-Y-T-O-E-S-I-N-T-O-E-N-S-I-N-G. Boy. I think we should stick with just Google the, the beautiful unbecoming. Um, but also I have her website. There's a link in the show page description. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Tune in and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.